It's something for nothing. The Rush Fancast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, how are you today? Great, Steve. And how are you? Oh, I'm terrific. You know why? We're about to start the new incarnation of Something for Nothing. We finished all of the studio albums, which was our intention when we started this podcast. So now it's Jazz Odyssey? Yeah, it's improvisation jazz. That's what it is. Don't you think? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. That's what we're going to be doing. Improving every. The whole show is going to just be Rush Improv. We're taking suggestions from the audience. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, you can find us at The Rushcast. Email Jerry. Send him your suggestions. The Rushcast at gmail.com. I know people will do it too. The bass intro and outro. That's Lex. He's still with us. Follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app and do us a favor. Tell a friend about the Rush Fancast, right? Sure. And rate and yeah, whatever rate those us, things tell are. Tell a friend, send us recipes, everything. Yeah. Tell an enemy. Tell an enemy, tell an acquaintance, tell everybody. I hope you have an email for us, Jared, because this is going off the rails. I do. And it's about your dog. Oh, really? This is cool. Yes. Henry sent us an email about his naming conventions for his pets. Oh, nice. So he says, I love the side talk about Rush influenced dog names. My dogs are not named that way, however, but we have named our cats after notable musicians throughout time. We have five cats to date. We started with Charlie Bird, named after Charlie Parker, but also coincided with Charlie Bird, who's a jazz guitarist. Then came Wolfgang Amadeus. No explanation required, I'm sure. Then came Stevie Ray. Obviously, Stevie Ray Vaughan, but at first we were thinking about Stevie Nicks and Stevie Wonder, and then the middle name emerged from Vaughn's name. And then we get to the little story about our most recent two cats. My wife has always wanted a nice, bright orange cat at some point, which is like the classic cat, right? Right. So we had discussed that he would be the last and final cat that we would add to our family, making it number four. Not long after that, we were vacationing in Europe in 2019, and while enjoying an evening in Vienna with a chamber orchestra performing the best of Johann Strauss and Mozart, she proclaimed that Johann would make a great orange cat name. Okay. So the following month in January, we set out to find Johann, who we gave the middle name of Sebastian for Bach. I remember her texting me that she found him at a shelter. The thing was, he had a little brother that was very insecure and emotionally clingy with soon-to-be Johann. The people told her, that she really needed to take them as a pair for the betterment of the little brother. Holy moly, now we're looking at not only adding a fourth, but a fifth cat as well. She asked my opinion, and I was wary of adding two cats at the same time. If you ever had to acclimate new cats or dogs to an existing cats or dogs, you should know that things can get dicey. Now I thought about it for a minute and then realized something and relented. It seemed right all of a sudden. I then called her and said, one condition, we need to name the little brother Elwood. She was confused. Ah. Elwood, I said, yes, to honor Neil Elwood Peart. Neil had just passed earlier that month, and the aftershock was still very resonant. And so we have Johan, Johnny, Sebastian, and Elwood, Woody, Cornelius. So they named him Cornelius at the end. That's cool. Of course, Woody won our hearts. He is very thoughtful and probably the most unique cat we have ever had. He has a shy personality, too, much like his namesake. Maybe I just need to get him a drum kit. Peace and take care. That's awesome. Yeah, so you're not the only one who's thinking of Rush-related names for their animals. Well, interestingly, I put Vega's picture up on Twitter, and I got a bunch of responses about dog name suggestions. Now, a lot of them were some of the ones we mentioned, and I won't mention those. But I got some new ones. You ready? Yeah. James says bones. That's a real good one. Roll the bones, right? Right. Yeah, and dogs, you know. They love bones. They love bones. It's perfect. Tony Burke says Xanadu. We didn't think of that one. No, that's a good one. John Barron said Ty. Ty Shan, get it? Sure, yep. Uh, Kevin Rockford says Limbo for a dog with three legs. <laughs> Why three legs, though? <laughs> Can a dog with three legs do the limbo better than dogs with four legs? I don't know. And uh, I got actually pictures. This one is Echo. Oh, that's a cute dog. Yeah, and it's a Rush name, Echo. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it is cool. And uh, Toby, after Tobes of Hades. Oh, yeah, you'd have to explain that one to people, though. I'm not sure anyone would get that right off the bat. And then this one, you remember you like the name Presto. There's Presto. Oh, really? Is that a husky? Yeah, it's a husky. Beautiful dog. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, Derek Bacharach, who's been on the podcast, he said Lyra. Yeah. 
That's a good one. So those are those are the rush dog names. No Gettys, no Alex. Oh yeah, there were a whole bunch that we already mentioned those names. I was just giving you new ones that we hadn't thought of before. Oh, okay. Anyway, enough with the dogs, Jer. We've got to get to our guest, internationally acclaimed artist, highly regarded acoustic arranger. He's performed private and public sold-out events all over the world. And Rush fans know him for his incredible covers of Rush songs, which you can find on his YouTube channel. Mike Massey, welcome to the Rush Fancast. Hello. How are you guys? We're great. And first of all, we have to apologize. When we talked about you on our covers episode, not only did we not know anything about you, but we pronounced your name wrong and we apologize for that. That's not a problem. Not the first time, won't be the last. We're going to correct both of those errors today and find out more about you. Why don't we start with your Rush origin story, Mike? When did you first hear Rush and how did you become a fan? My first impression of Rush is kind of a strange one a little bit. I remember loving a cheap trick song called Everything Works If You Let It off of the roadie movie soundtrack. This is a very deep, deep cut. Yeah, I was going to say, I never even heard of that movie. But if you listen to it, it's got a section that sounds like part of Spirit of Radio. It's got, basically the whole song is a section of Spirit of Radio. It's, it's the chromatic part that goes like, don't, 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 don't. And it's in the same key. It sounds like that. And so I remember when I would hear Spirit of Radio, it would like, my sister Monica, um, she she passed away, but um, she was a huge Rush fan. And um, and I was not at the time. I was a you know, pretty little kid. I was probably like, you know, 11, 12, whatever. And she was listening to Spirit of Radio and, and Rush. And I'm like, oh, it always bothered me. I'm like, it sounds like that cheap trick song, but I don't know which one came first. I literally think they came out about the same time. So I think it was just one of those things where it's just like two independent, you know, creations that just kind of happened to mirror each other. Like, you know, Armageddon and deep impact or something. (laughs) 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 But but, so, yeah, so that was what my first thing. And um, so then, so fast forwarding a little bit, Monica goes to see rush. I think like in April of maybe 83, I think it was on the moving pictures tour. And I had a good friend that lived across the street from me, a little girl named Jenny Stewart, who's my age. And she's like, where's Monica? I'm just like, oh, she went to a Rush concert. Or maybe I just said, hey, Monica went to a Rush concert. She's like, who's Rush? I'm like, well, let me show you. So we got out um, Permanent Waves and we got out Moving Pictures. We started listening to them. And she's like, this is pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. And so that was kind of the first day where I was just like, I had initial the, the initial reaction to Getty's voice that a lot of people have. I'm like, I'm not sure about this. But then it totally grew on me. And now he's like one of my favorite singers of all time. Yeah, it was just that that moment where I was like, you know, and, and then I saw, I got to see them on the Signals tour. My dad used to travel and I'd, I'd give him a list of like, he, he's a travel around the world. He was, he would bring me back LPs, you know, just as a gift, like when you come back from a long trip. And so I'd give him a list of, you know, first it was a list of all the Kiss records I wanted. Yeah. And then it morphed into all the, all the list of all the Rush records I wanted. So like I, I was collecting them gradually. And, you know, by the time they came out with Signals, I was well, you know, huge fan. And I got to see them on the Signals tour in Lakeland, uh, Florida, which was awesome because it was kind of like, it was like the home turf for the space shuttle. So when they did countdown, I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. super awesome. And then I got to see them again on moving pictures and then on presto and then I think time machine. And then I got to see him on R40 and I actually got to meet him on R40. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got to, well, getting Alex, you know, yeah. <laughs> Neil, you know, you know, Neil, it's kind of funny. I have a picture with two of my lifelong best friends, Scott Slusher and Ken Benson and with Alex and Getty. And when I posted on Facebook, uh, Ken commented, he's like, I think Neil captured the moment perfectly. Don't you? <laughs> like <taking> a picture. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But yeah. So Neil wasn't there, but, uh, yeah, that was, they, you know, I actually hooked that up through my musical connections and, um, Scott and Ken were just like, they were just blown away that we got that opportunity. And, and I was like, you know, I'll always be the coolest guy in their book because of that moment that I got, I got to help them meet Rush, which was great. So, so about the time you started getting into Rush, is that when you started playing music or was that a little bit later? You know, I started off uh, taking some piano lessons as a kid. And then when I was in high school, I got an acoustic guitar, borrowed an acoustic guitar and started teaching myself Beatles songs and stuff. And, and that's kind of when, and then like by the time I was around 20, I had enough of a repertoire that I'd actually, auditioned at a restaurant and started, you know, playing local live gigs and stuff. And, and then it just, my repertoire kind of grew from there. And I went on, I was a music major undergrad. And then I went to law school cause I needed a real job. And then um, I, I became a public defender, but I still kept the music thing going on the side. I actually studied sound recording and voice performance. And so I ended up using all of it, you know, just kind of in a weird order. I was, I was a public defender for 13 years and I started a YouTube channel somewhere in the middle of that. And uh, in 2008 and started posting, you know, uh, basically I had a, a standing gig at a local 
pizzeria in Salt Lake City and right by the University of Utah. And it was basically a college hangout that I would play once a month. And I started, you know, recording my shows in 2008. And that became sort of the basis of my YouTube channel. And in 2013 or 14, actually, I, you know, just decided that I think I could do this full time. And so I quit the day job as an attorney, moved to Colorado because I, I have a sister that lives here and I went to high school in Boulder. And um, yeah, so I'm back kind of where I wanted to be and I'm doing what I wanted to do, which is be a musician. And so I, I still post videos and I've been doing a lot of live streams, play around the country, around the world. As I mentioned to you guys, I'm going to Amsterdam tomorrow, which is super awesome. Excited to finally get to leave the country <laughs> after two years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. And, uh, and along the way, I, yeah, I started doing some Rush covers because I got a little brave. <laughs> and I'm like, let's see what I can do, do solo acoustic with Rush or whatever. And, and so, yeah, there's some of those out there. And, and those were really well received. I actually did a piano one. I did a, a piano arrangement of After Image um, after Neil passed that was, yeah, really cool, I thought. And, um, and then I did a cover of Time Standstill with my friend, Brenda and she sang the Amy Mann stuff and people dug that a lot too. And so, and then I've, you know, I do live streams and I've done a bunch of other Rush songs on my live streams, which has been great. Oh, I have Limelight, a cover of Limelight as well. I think that's on my channel as a standalone video. Yeah. Now, when you play the Rush songs at your live shows, how do those go over? <laughs> you're, you're assuming I do. Um, I, I don't do a lot of Rush in my live shows. Sometimes, so like I've gone to Canada and, and I, I felt like I had to do some Russian Canada. So I did like Mystic Rhythms there and, and uh, had a local bass player sitting in that was a you know, big Rush fan. He nailed it and it was a lot of fun. But a lot of people dig the Rush and, and the people that don't necessarily dig it, they respect it and they or they tolerate it. <laughs> they, they, they survive it. No, it's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's all, it's all part of the, you know, acoustic classic rock scene that I do, but Rush is, I always call Rush my second favorite band tied with Genesis and the Beatles are my favorite. That's kind of how I've outlined it in my head because right. the Beatles were kind of the first for me and, and uh, McCartney's just, he's just the goat. I mean, he just is. Yeah. Yeah. But like Phil Collins probably has my second favorite voice after Paul McCartney, but Rush just like, uh, just, it's just, yeah. So much amazing music. Just love it all. Yeah, I mean, you can you can't really do better than learning how to play guitar by playing the Beatles, right? Yeah, I mean, everything. Yeah, and it was a lot of like finger picking stuff. Just like you know, I was learning like Blackbird and you know Rocky Raccoon and Yesterday, you know those kind of things, and taking chord books. I knew enough about piano that I kind of could you know make my way through a guitar because I knew enough about music. And but yeah, it was it was definitely a good learning experience. I probably played over 80 or 90 Beatles songs. I don't know, like a bunch. I mean, I'm actually in a Beatles cover band that's based in Denver part-time. Part it's just one of the things I do. One of your side gigs? Yeah, basically. I'm playing on John Lennon's birthday here locally in Golden at the Buffalo Rose. And I have another band that just does, you know, just classic rock stuff on the side, the Mike Massey band. So, But yeah, I mostly tour as a solo act and, and do, yeah, just whatever. You know, I play a lot of requests and requests is what kind of kept me going through the pandemic, you know, doing the live streams and, out of a, a loyal fan base that tuned in regularly. And, you know, a lot of people would come and go, but just there was a core group that was there, you know, every show if they were, you know, available. And, um, and they made, they, you know, they helped me through the whole pandemic. And I did learn some rush songs along the way. And, and as I was telling you guys before the show that the sphere became sort of my unofficial anthem for the show, because I would play it at the end of, of shows as kind of like my, uh, my happy trails, you know, kind of like the goodbye song, you know, so people, all my regular fans know the sphere. They know all the lyrics, you know, they type them in the <laughs> live chat as I'm singing it and stuff. And it's a cute little song. It's, it's great. So how about Alex Lifeson's guitar playing Mike was his playing an influence on you growing up. And what about Alex's playing impresses you the most? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying he's definitely my favorite guitar player bar none. Like he's just heads and shoulders above everyone else. Um, he is just such an innovator on the guitar and like, I don't know if it was a natural thing for him or if he had to kind of like force himself to do it, but he just found ways to do things very unconventionally, whether it was like, you know, his fingering or his, just his chord choices, some of his solos, you're just like, where did that come from? You know, it's just like, they're like, sometimes they're so like, strange but they work perfectly you know you think about something like the garden it's just like where did that solo come from apparently that was one take and the first take my goodness you know um so he yeah he was always somebody that just excited my imagination and i can't play like him i'm, I'm a rhythm player and so i never you know would dare to even venture to try to sound like him but um yeah there's just something for everybody in his style he just did it all and he could play beautifully you know classically or he could just melt your face with a screaming lead. I mean, just, he's got it all. Just amazing. It's such a group effort, the songwriting, you know, you can just tell that they're all contributing their parts and it's just the, the way they piece it all together. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. 
Yeah, that's the one thing that Steve and I have always talked about when we when we hit upon the fact that this solo or whatever was done in one take. It's like, how do you step up to the plate <laughs> like that and just be like, yeah, he was just feeling it. And I'm sure it wasn't even him that said it was, that's the one. I think he just did it and everyone just like, dude, that was, that's the one. You know what I mean? Just like, you know, I'm sure they were just all just looking at each other like, where did that go? You know, like, yeah, I'm sure they were all right. in the control room going, yeah, that's the one. Right. Yeah. And I think we read a, uh, in a couple of places where sometimes they'd be like, yeah, you should play that thing again. And he was like, what, what do you mean? The thing I played? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what Can thing was that? I forget. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you hum it a little bit? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, it's, that's one thing about songwriting in the modern era is that there's always recording devices around, you know, you can like, it's, it's hard to lose track of an idea unless you really try. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about Getty's vocals, Mike? You sing at a pretty high register, a lot like Getty. Yeah, I, I try. Um, I can't do everything he did. Um, and especially in his prime, you know, you get into the later years, it's a little bit more easy, but, um, yeah, yeah. He was just, you know, he was trying to, trying to be Robert Plant. It kind of worked, but he did it his own way. Right. Just like with with the kind of the screeching at the beginning. And then, and then later, you know, as he described it, he would start singing what he called his speaking voice, you know, just kind of the more, and, um, that was just a beautiful tone that we just hadn't heard much of, you know, that he just kind of leaned into, especially later. And it's just, Wow. No, I, I think, like I said earlier, his voice is an acquired taste for some, but I've definitely acquired a taste for it. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I just adore it. And uh, just the weird, like, mind meld of him singing Neil's lyrics is just like, there's nothing else like it in music, right? I mean, just like him being the sort of the instrument for this beautiful mind that we all got to experience through those lyrics. And, you know, with Getty just kind of presenting it in just this beautiful way. It was just, yeah, I could go all day on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting, definitely an interesting dynamic, right? To have mm-hmm. to sing someone else's lyrics like that for yeah. years and years and years and to get to know somebody like that. What do you take into account when you're doing a Rush cover? Like, how do you approach the vocals? You know, well, first of all, I'm just like, can I sing it comfortably without, you know, embarrassing myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I feel like it's, some, you know, something I can do, the vocals honestly tend to be the least of my worries unless it's a weird syncop- <laughs> unless it's a weird syncopation thing where they're just the rhythm of the song and the vocals are just so disjointed that it's just like I don't know if you know if I can you know walk and chew gum um you know Getty could <laughs> you right. know his his bass parts were never simplified just for the fact that he was singing I mean you just watch his hands and while he's singing it's just like that's the work of two people and he's doing it all and it's just amazing right. so what I would tend to do is when I would come up with an arrangement the uh, Mystic Rhythms one is a good example where it came to me almost like in a dream. Like I was, I put on some music when I went to bed one night and I woke up in the middle of the night and Mystic Rhythms was playing and I'm like, I need to ignore the guitar part. That's what I need to do. Just ignore the guitar part and play the chords, the keyboards playing, play the rhythm that the drums and the bass were playing. And that's the acoustic version, right. you know? And then like towards the end of my cover, I do the, dun, 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 you know, I do the, you know, the classic, you know, strum that he does just in one instrumental break, but it's just like, you can't, that alone would not have carried the song musically in a way that would have made sense harmonically to represent the original chord structure fully because Alex was just a piece of the puzzle, but he wasn't the main piece in that particular song. So it's like, sometimes you just have to think outside the box. And that's kind of what I did with that. Don't just transpose the guitar part, transpose the whole song. Right. I never thought about that. I mean, definitely on acoustic guitar, it's definitely a a more rhythmic instrument, right? If you're playing by yourself. Yeah. And I I did something similar. Yeah. I did something similar with, um, Middletown dreams kind of thing where it's just like, I'm playing the chords, you know, and, and the guitar right. part is just coming in and out. And I'm just like, Nope, that's not, that's not what, you know, it's, that's, that's color, but it's not the, the meat. It's not the main song. You know, it's not the gist of the song. Yeah. And so, you know, but there are songs where, you know, where I did limelight. I'm when I play limelight, I'm just playing Alex's part. That's all yeah. I'm playing minus the solo because I can't play that. <laughs> but, and you know, but uh, yeah, my acoustic version of limelight is just me playing the guitar part. So there, you know, I do do that when it's, when it's called for, you know, when it makes sense. It's interesting, though, that you can take a Rush song and basically not use the guitar part on a guitar mm-hmm. and still have it sound like the original song. What is, mm-hmm. What's the magic of that, do you think? It's thinking holistically of the song. It's, th- it's taking the song as a whole and thinking about the chord structure and the rhythm because that's all that matters on an acoustic guitar. What, what's the chord and what's the rhythm? Sometimes there's riffs and that can't be avoided or that need to be included because they're essential. You know, like when I play uh, Working Man, you know, when I get to the chorus, I'm kind of doing the, dun, 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 dun. you know, I'm doing that because it's, you, know, you have to, right? But, um, but there's other songs where a riff is just kind of like, eh, it's, you can lose it, you know, at least partially, you know, or temporarily, you know? So, yeah. Did you guys happen to, in your, I don't know how much you looked me up, but um, 
Did you notice that Getty had seen my cover of Mystic Rhythms and and, no. and like mentioned it in an article? Oh wow! No. Tell us about that. <laughs> it's 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 just kind of a funny thing. So when I when I posted Mystic Rhythms, I put it on a on Twitter and I you know tagged Rush's account. Their response was uh, three sets of clapping hands. I'm like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> like, like the three guys are clapping. That's cute. Right. You know, and so I'm like, okay, they, they liked it. They dug it. That's cool. And then I just like, okay, you know, I wonder if the guys ever saw it. Cause I'm like, I'm sure, you know, Getty's not managing the Twitter account for Rush, right? You know, right. let's be yeah. real. So, yeah. um, so I'm like this, you know, some marketing person, I'm like, I wonder, but I wonder if Getty ever saw it, you know, or anybody ever saw it, you know? And uh, so that, I just had that thought in the back of my head. And then I, you know, as it always happens, someone else, a fan actually told me, she's like, Hey, did you know that Getty talked about your cover and this article? And I'm like, or in an article. And I'm like, what, what, what? So I'm starting, you know, I'm like trying to find it. And it's, it's an interview he did uh, maybe louder or something. I can't remember what the name of the, uh, I could send it to you guys, but um, he is, it was an interview he did about the, um, the anniversary release of hemispheres that was coming out, like Mm -hmm. a new, the box set of hemispheres at that time. I think this was 2019 probably, you know, they asked him something about celebrating anniversary or something. That was the context of, of when he brought me up and what he said was, um, Oh, I got to back up. And so when I posted, um, Mystic Rhythms on Twitter. I noticed that the day I posted it, there's an account that I follow called This Day in Rush History. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, today is the 33rd anniversary of the release of Power Windows. I'm like, oh, cool. And so I'm like, so I, so, you know, so I posted this cover of Mystic Rhythms. I'm like, for the 33rd you know, anniversary of, <laughs> of, of, you know, like as if it had you know, been created for that, you know, here's, right. here's your cover of Mystic Rhythms for the 33rd anniversary of the release of Power Windows. And so, um, so, so when they asked Getty about this anniversary thing, he's like, somebody posted a cover. He didn't mention me by name, but it's clearly he's talking about me. He's like, somebody posted a cover, an acoustic cover of, of, of Mr. Critham's for the 33rd anniversary of Power Windows. He's <laughs> like, he was very kind. He's like, I loved it. It was beautiful. Thank you very much. He's like, but it's kind of mental to celebrate the 33rd anniversary of anything. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, so that was, you know, that was my confirmation that Getty saw and, and enjoyed my cover, which was just like, all right, mission accomplished. You know, that's a bucket list thing, you know? <laughs> now, do you take the lyrics into account when you choose a Rush song? Do the lyrics need to have a special meaning for you or no? I don't know per se. I mean, they're all like most of the Rush songs. I mean, all the Rush songs that I enjoy have great lyrics. So it's not really, it's not, I don't have to pick and choose because they're all awesome. You know, if I like a song, I like the lyrics. And so it's not, you know, and, th- and there's nothing like, you know, there's, they, they never worked blue. I don't have to worry about like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is too vulgar for me or anything like that. You know, right. they, were all, they always kept it pretty clean. It so, isn't yeah, darling but, Nikki, right? Right, right exactly. <laughs> I get the reference. I get it. (laughs) So Mike, we thought it would be fun to play some of your rush covers. Yeah. For the audience who may not have heard them before. And then we can comment on each song. What do you think? Yeah. Right on. Enough of my yakking. Let's boogie. Why don't we start with your cover of after image, which you mentioned, which I think is incredible. And you released this for. Yeah. I did that like within a month of Neil's passing. All right. Well, let's let's take a listen. Shouts 
of joy skiing fast through the woods I hear the echoes I learned your love for life I feel the way that you would I feel your presence I remember I feel the way you would I feel the way you would I feel, I feel the way you would This just can't be piano work on this i mean just incredible thank you are you a pianist or a guitarist first i guess i'm a little of each piano was my first instrument but it, i i neglect it i rarely rarely play it anymore well you, you did a great job on this one yeah. thank you how did you come across i mean this song obviously when neil passed away this was like every rush band's first thought was like after image right of course so how did you like why did you choose the piano as opposed to doing it on guitar because I could do some of the stuff that was happening that I couldn't do on guitar while I'm strumming chords. Mm. So I'm able to get like, you could just get a fuller sound on piano where I can get the bass notes going. And I was able to do, I was doing it in octaves that na 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 You know, I'm doing that with the right hand while I'm singing. And so that you just get the fuller effect of the song. I could do an acoustic arrangement of this, but it would just be a lot simpler and you would lose some of that nuance. It would probably still be fine especially for someone who had never heard the original, they'd be like, they wouldn't miss it. Right. But like, and I think a rush fan would probably forgive it too. They're just like, ah, it's one acoustic guitar. What can you do? You know, but I just, for some reason, I just felt like that was a, a, a good piano situation. And that, I mean, there's keyboard, that, that is pretty a keyboard heavy song, yeah, you know? True. And so I was, I was kind of thinking along those lines too, probably. Yeah. And you really nailed the part, the musical part right before the solo with mm -hmm. the dun, 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 dun. That was yeah. a really good choice there. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And if you watch the video, uh, I had a little Neil, bobblehead on my piano and his head's shaking like, like <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's kind of fun yeah <laughs> another one we can find on youtube is your cover of limelight let's check that out mm -hmm. Stage approaches the un- 
myself intact Living in the light like the universal dream For those who wish to see Those who wish to be Must put aside the alienation Get on with the fascination The real relation, the underlying performed this one, Mike, with Jeff Hall. Tell us about Jeff and yeah. your relationship with him and how he works with you. Yeah, thank you for asking. Jeff is uh, definitely a, a staple on my YouTube channel. He was my original collaborator. He's my bass player and backing vocalist from the early days in the, at the Pi. He was a, a bandmate of mine in college, friends since college. He went to law school before I did. He became a public defender and then a later a prosecutor. And then when I finished law school and said, Hey Jeff, I'd love to work at that public defender's office. Can you put in a good word for me? He absolutely did instrumental in me getting that job. Um, and so, yeah, he's still a prosecutor in Salt Lake city. So when we were playing at the pie, there's probably maybe 80 videos or something like that with yeah. Jeff and I at the pie. And there's a bunch, a bunch of classic rock songs of, you know, wide variety. And, um, Yes. So from those early days, he was always just my, you know, my right hand guy. And so that one we did, the limelight one, we actually did remotely after I had moved to Colorado and he was still in Utah. So he filmed his part and recorded his part and, and then I just pieced it together. Yeah. I mean, you said a couple of times where, you know, you're not going to play the solo because you can't play it, but you're playing <laughs> on this song is just fire from beginning oh, to thank end. You. I think it's yeah. fantastic. I mean, you really, like you said before, sometimes you have to play the, the riff without playing the chord, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it still sounds full and great. I mean, how did you approach this song? Yeah, I mean, I just, I did my best. And it's 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 not the easiest, song that, you know, an acoustic guitar is very unforgiving compared to an electric guitar. I mean, you just hear every little squeak and squawk that an acoustic guitar makes and you know distortion covers a multitude of sins. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so, you know, it's, it's very exposed. And, um, and so that was the tricky part for me is like, I gotta play this cleanly while I'm singing it. And so, yeah, you know, it took a few takes to kind of warm up and get it there, but eventually I got there and uh, was happy with the way it sounded. And, and uh, yeah. And Jeff, you know, he, he just plays Getty's part basically. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And he's feeling it every second, right? His oh, yeah, eyes yeah, are closed yeah, yeah, the yeah, entire yeah. time. Yeah. He's just, he's just yeah. killing it from beginning to end. Wait, you know who loves my YouTube channel is drummers. 
because I have very really? few drums in my yeah because they can oh, play along. Wow, that's because cool. there's no like there's no drums on most of my songs. There's bass and guitar, and they're like drummers, like yeah. <laughs> I get that's comments on my idea. YouTube, like on my live streams too. People are like yeah, I was drumming along with you all night. You know, it's just like, it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So Mike, now that you yourself have gained more and more notoriety, can you relate to the message behind the lyrics of Limelight? What Neil was saying there at all? <sighs> I'm I'm not really there yet because I still, you know, I. I don't have the issue that he had. I mean, I, I, he was still pretty anonymous, I think in, in the public generally, but like at a rush concert, obviously he wouldn't be. And that's kind of the way I am. I'm anonymous in the public, but at my concerts, if I'm walking around, you know, outside the venue people, Oh, there's Mike, you know, but, um, but it's always, it's always a welcome thing. And I'm just, I'm old enough to appreciate that. This is sort of my, like, you know, it's my second career. And so it's all, yeah, I just, I'm not in a position to, to shun any of it or to be scared of it. I just, I embrace it. And I, I've had a few fans that were a little weird and a little creepy, but it's mostly been online stuff that I'm just like, okay, I'm going to block that person or whatever. I haven't met anybody in real life that gave me even the slightest weird vibe. Like my fans, I do meet and greets after all my shows and they're just all super nice people. I just, I don't know. It's just something about the music I play that just attracts awesome people. I don't know. Including Rush fans. Yeah. Well, let's play one more. This is another one Rush fans can find on YouTube. It's your cover of Time Stand Still. I turn my back to the wind To catch my breath Before I start off again Driven on without a moment to spend an evening with the drink and a friend I let my skin get too thin I'd like to pause No matter what I pretend Like some pilgrim who learns to transcend Learns to live as if each step was the end Looking back, but I want to look around me now Time stands still See more of the people and the places that surround me now Time stands still Close my eyes, let my defenses down All those wounds that I can't get unwound I let my past go too fast No time to pause If I could slow it all down Like some captain whose ship runs aground I could wait until the tide comes around Looking back, but I want to look around me now. Time stands still. See more of the people and the places that surround me now.
performed this one with Brenda Andrus. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, Brenda was also a friend from college that um, she used to sit in with my band once in a while. She had her own band that I actually joined her band. (laughs) So we were in each other's bands. Um, But Brenda's a great singer and my fans knew Brenda because she did a cover of the Cranberries Linger with me on oh, my wow. channel from Live from the Pie. And it's it's probably got over, I don't know, it's got probably at least a couple million views by now. But she did a great job with that. And I sang the backing vocals. And that's that was kind of one of my more viewed videos. And Brenda's a Rush fan. And actually, Time Standstill was like her senior song or something. And I think she even quoted from it like at her graduation speech or something like that. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, so it was a big thing for her too. And so um, I didn't have to coax her. She was actually just going to be in town. She lives in Portland, Oregon. And so she just happened to be in town and I'm like, Hey, you want to record something while you're here? You know, we could do time standstill. And she's like, yeah. So that's kind of where that came from. And, uh, and we did, we've done it live together a few times. Actually another plug. Um, let me find the date October 2nd and just a few weeks I'm playing in Seattle on a Saturday night and uh, tickets are still available for that. And Brenda's going to drive up from Portland and join me for that show. So oh, wow. Fun. Oh, nice. We'll do time standstill. I promise. Since you mentioned it, one why don't you throw some of your other dates out there? I see you're playing at a bunch of places in October. Feel free. Go ahead. Yeah. So Seattle is uh, October 2nd. And then um, I'm playing a, my Beatles band, as I mentioned before, is playing on John Lennon's birthday locally here on the 9th. And then I'm going to be in Bridgeport, Connecticut on the 15th of October. And then Boston the next night, the 16th, which is a Saturday. And then on the anniversary of, let's see, I'll tell you, the anniversary of the release of both Exit Stage Left and Hemispheres, which is October 29th, I will be in Montreal. And uh, and then the next night I'll be in Quebec City. And then on November 6th, uh, Saturday, I'll be in Berkeley, California. And that's pretty much it for the rest of these, this year. Quebec City is a beautiful city. Have you ever been there? I haven't been there yet. No. Oh. But it's kind of, yeah, I'm really excited though, because I have a sold out show. It was actually kind of a funny thing. Like a fan of mine, like, hey, I'm going to book a venue and I'm going to pay you and I'm going to sell the tickets and I want you to come to Quebec City. I'm like, okay. He books this amazingly beautiful room in this, like in the, like a historic hotel down, downtown and he sells it out. <laughs> I'm like, good, good for you, man. <laughs> I'm like, I've never been there. Good for you. He like just asked all of his friends, but they've sold like, you know, 250 tickets or something. Like, good for you. So I was like super happy about that. So that'll be a fun show. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Never been. You have some great fans. Fans. I know. I do. We were I talking before do. the the show about a fan who who put together a list of all of the songs you've played yeah. on your live yeah. streams, yep. and now this guy's renting a place for you. Yeah, it's. Yep. I mean, he assumed all us, the risk. Yeah, he assumed all the risk. Right. Yeah. Um, as a lawyer would say. <laughs> Tell us about your relationship with your fans then. You seem to have a, a real connection with people. Yeah. You know, it's it's actually part of that stems from um, the fact that early on, I mean, a part of, you know, a lot of it was just like a musician community at first. The people that gravitated towards my channel were other musicians because they would steal or borrow my arrangements, if you will. And I was totally fine with that. They'd be like, oh, I love that way you play that. I'm going to do that, you know, because I felt like I was sort of unlocking songs for people. I'm like, this is how you can play it acoustically even if you're not an amazing guitar player like me. I mean, like I'm not, I mean, <laughs> not <that> I am. <laughs> like I'm not. <laughs> and so, so yeah. So the people found like accessible arrangements that were, were still authentic and true to the original and accurate. And so that was kind of the early appeal. And then um, honestly, something happened in 2020, 2012 uh, that kind of changed everything. And that was um, my youngest uh, Noah, uh, when he was 11 months old, got, got diagnosed with a rare and aggressive brain tumor and he was not supposed to make it. And, um, and so what I ended up doing was I pu- posted, a fundraiser. I posted a cover of the Beatles, let it be 
just in response to that, because I had seen my, one of my sisters had passed away from a brain tumor and I'd seen how devastating it had been for her, for her financially and everything. So I'm just like, I don't want to have to make decisions about his health based on money. You know, we, um, so I was, I was willing to kind of reach out and get some help. And, um, it was actually my music distributor who suggested, he's like, you should put out a fundraiser. And he's like, I'll tell you what you pay the publisher. We'll pay the publisher their 11 cents of every sale. And, and we won't take a penny and you, you know, it'll all go to your family. And so I, I posted this cover of let it be. And, um, my cover of Toto's Africa, which is another really popular video on my channel. It has like 15 million views now, but it, it had just gone viral in the Netherlands. And so like a month later, I posted this cover, let it be. And the Netherlands latched onto that too. And it actually, my cover of let it be actually went to number one on iTunes in the Netherlands. Wow. Yeah. And, and they were just a huge support. Um, I mean, I got support worldwide from all of my fans, but the Netherlands were like in particularly, you know, rose to the challenge and, and helped me out. I mean, it got played on the radio there and everything. And, and so that's, that's why I'm going back. You know, it's, they have a special place in my heart, you know, Amsterdam and the Netherlands. But anyway, I think that kind of the fact that I was willing to kind of share that with my fans, it just created a bond, you know, where they see me as not just a musician, but as a dad, you know, and just, and just kind of as a human, you know? And, um, and so I don't think I overly share my personal life with people. Don't get me wrong. But I, the fact that I was, you know, did that at first I didn't do it first. I'm like, Hey, I'm having some personal issues. You're not going to hear from me for a while. That was my first reaction. And then the publisher was like, excuse me, my distributor's like, you should ask for help. And I'm like, it was, it was, it was a, it was a weird thing to do because you're, you are opening up your private life to strangers, you know, in your darkest hour, but it was a good thing. And uh, Noah's 10 years old now and he's awesome. happy and healthy. I just, I just took him to his piano lesson. You know, he's doing great. That's great. So, uh, yeah. So it was, it all worked out, but it was, I think people, you know, the people that have been with me that long definitely remember that. If you watch my live streams, you know, it's kind of loosey goosey where it's just like, it's not, I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm playing songs that I know pretty well. Sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I didn't know that as well as I thought I did. You know, I'm allowing myself to make mistakes because I'm in my own basement, you know, but you know, these are mistakes that live on forever on YouTube. So I had to kind of get used to that idea, but just, but you know, it's live and, and people it's real, you know, and, and I'm, and I'd rather play a request for somebody and screw up a lyric on it than not play it at all. You know what I mean? I'd rather do it 90% of it than not do it at all. And so people appreciate that, that I, I go out of my comfort zone a lot on my live streams. So what about your live in-person shows, Mike? What can we expect to see if we go see Mike Massey live? They're so fun. They really are. I, sometimes I take some live requests from the audience and I'll tell some stories, you know, cause I have met some of the famous musicians and I'll, I'll share some of their stories. You know, I've met Dennis DeYoung from Styx. I met the guys from Toto and I met, you know, Robbie Steinhardt from Kansas and people like that, that just have, who have encountered my music over the years and, and have reached out and said, Hey, that's awesome. Thank you for covering my song or whatever. And so, you know, I share some of those things and, and, uh, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think I'm kind of quick witted in a way where I'm, you know, it's, I keep it fun and entertaining and just, you know, there's lively banter and, and, uh, it's just, it's just a good time. And, you know, it's just, it's a feel good evening. And, and I've, I always get regularly get people say that it's, you know, one of their favorite concerts they've ever seen. And I get people coming back all the time. So yeah. So don't, it's, it's worth the chance. It, you know, take a chance and come see me. And what about if Rush fans want to purchase your music, where can they do that? Yeah, it's all, I mean, it's all streamable on Apple Music and Spotify and you can buy it on Apple Music and it's on Amazon and, you know, anywhere where books are sold. No. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the saying is. In your grocer's freezer. Yeah. Everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And, um, and let me mention that PDF that we talked about earlier. Sure. Um, there is, a, there is, yeah, there's a PDF file that you can look at. It's um, maybe we can put a link in the show notes or something, but it's mikemassay.com slash artists, plural artists.pdf. And that, and there's also one songs.pdf, but one is sorted by artists. The other one is sorted by song title, but it's, it's a catalog that a fan made. His name's Andy. He lives in Germany. And, um, I'm, Thank you, Andy. <laughs> I'm grateful for yeah. you. Um, but um, he put together, he's, he's kept a list of every song I've ever performed on my live stream, over 700 different songs. And many of those I've learned in the past year. I've been learning songs like crazy. But um, yeah, so there's a section where you could find all of the Rush covers. And it's not just a list of the songs. It's better than that. It's a, it's actual links to every single performance. Wow. There's numbers next, next to the song titles and, and those numbers represent episode numbers. And if you click on that, it takes you to that episode and that moment in the episode where I played that rush song. And so you can kind of, you know, like you can see the different performances. Some of them are better than others. I mean, it just works out that way. You know, like you can find your favorite, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so that's, that's a listen just for fun. Let me list all the rush songs I've done. I did um, on my streams. I've done Lime, limelight making memories, which was okay. 
I could do, I could have done that better. Um, Middletown Dreams, uh, Mystic Rhythms, Rivendell, I did once. I did, and I did it on nylon string guitar, which is cool. Oh, nice. Uh, Second Nature, I did twice. I think once on piano, and once on guitar. They were both okay. Uh, I've done Tears like half a dozen times. I love that song. Mm-hmm. And I've done The Sphere many, many times, as we mentioned before. And I've done Time Standstill. I've done Tom Sawyer a few times. I've done Witch Hunt. Witch Hunt was cool wow. to come up with that acoustically. I love that one. And Working Man. So those are all the ones I've done. But yeah, Witch Hunt was a cool one. I'm, I'm happy did you ask that. anyone in the crowd to just yell weird things during Witch Hunt? Know, right? <laughs> like, anyone got a cowbell? <laughs> yeah. Does anybody want to be angry out there? Yell yeah, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today on Something for Nothing. Thank we you really guys. appreciate it. It's great getting to know you. Yeah, I'm wearing my 2112 shirt in honor of Something for Nothing, right? So. There we go. Oh, <laughs> I didn't catch the reference, but <laughs> there you go. Thanks so much, Mike. Have fun in Amsterdam. Yep. Thank you. Great meeting you both. So, Jer, how great was that? We didn't know anything about Mike two weeks ago, and now we know everything about Mike. I know. What a great guy, man. Really great guy. We definitely have to go catch him live. You know, I'm not going to be able to do that Connecticut show. I was pissed because I'm going to be away that weekend. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we can, uh, you know, fly to Amsterdam sometime and see him. That'd be great. That would be great. But this is uh, one of the things I, I love about talking to musicians is that you just learn so much about the songs and what makes, you know, what's at the kernel of, of songs? What's at, what's at the heart of Rush songs? When he was talking about playing a song on acoustic guitar and not including the guitar part, <laughs> it's just right. an interesting way to think about the song. Yeah, and that's what Lex does when he does our bass lines. I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the songs that I ask him to do don't have a real bass line, you know? At the right. beginning, like when he did subdivisions, he just did bass chords instead of the, the keyboards. And it was yeah. great. Yeah, it was great. And that's exactly what Mike Massey is doing. It's just so interesting to think about so much more to, to music than regular music fans can even fathom, I think. No, I totally agree. And uh, Mike, was, Mike was incredible. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, you can find us at The Rushcast. Email Jerry, let him know what you thought of our conversation with Mike Massey, therushcast at gmail.com. The bass intro was Lex. We're going to give Lex a break on the outro today. We're going to send us out with the sphere. That's right. Follow or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And Jer, I think I know what your quote's going to be. Do you really? Yeah. What is it going to be? The sphere. No, it was going to be Mystic Rhythms. Why would I do the Sphere when I we're going to play the Sphere? I don't know. Do Mystic Rhythms. The more we think we know about, the greater the unknown. We suspend our disbelief, and we are not alone. Awesome. Thanks, Jer. All right, see you. We can walk our roads together If our goals are all the same We can run alone and free If we pursue a different aim Let the truth of love be lighted Let the love of truth shine clear Sensibility Armed with sense and liberty With a heart and mind united In a single perfect sphere